0: This scripture reading this morning is Joshua 23, verses 1 through 16. After a long time had passed and the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies around them, Joshua, by then a very old man, summoned all Israel, their elders, leaders, judges, and officials, and said to them, I am very old. You yourselves have seen everything the Lord your God has done to all these nations for your sake. It was the Lord your God who fought for you. Remember how I have allotted as an inheritance for your tribes all the land of the nations that remain, the nations I conquered between the Jordan and the Mediterranean Sea in the West. The Lord your God himself will push them out for your sake. He will drive them out before you, and you will take possession of their land as the Lord your God promised you. Be very strong. Be careful to obey all that is written in the book of the law of Moses without turning aside to the right or to the left. Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the names of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. But you are to hold fast to the Lord your God as you have until now. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations. To this day, no one has been able to withstand you. One of you routs a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he promised. So be very careful to love the Lord your God. But if you turn away and ally yourself with the survivors of these nations that remain among you, and if you intermarry with them and associate with them, then you may be sure that the Lord your God will no longer drive out these nations before you. Instead, they will become snares and traps for you, whips on your back and thorns in your eyes, until you perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. Now I am about to go the way of all the earth. You know that with all your heart and soul that not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. Not one has failed. But just as all the good things the Lord your God has promised you have come to you, so he will bring on you all the evil things he has threatened until the Lord your God has destroyed you from this good land he has given you. If you violate the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, And go and serve other gods and bow down to them. The Lord's anger will burn against you, and you will quickly perish from the good land he has given you. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Good morning. Let's just pause and pray together as we approach God's word. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you that it is unchanging and as true today as when it was written, and we pray that you would help us to understand it and speak to us, amen. The Bible says, Ecclesiastes chapter 3, that there is a time to laugh, so I guess there's nothing wrong with laughter, right? Uh, we could add to that there 's nothing wrong with having a good time. first Timothy six says that God has provided us with all things for our enjoyment. Um, I say this so we understand that the the, the Christian faith is it 's never been intended to be a cold, somber, gloomy religion. In fact, Romans chapter fourteen says the kingdom of God is a matter of righteousness, peace, and what, and joy in the holy spirit so the gospel calls us to be joyful. That being said, the gospel also calls us to be serious. I say serious about what? Well, two things. That I want to talk about today. We've been studying the Old Testament book of Joshua. We are approaching the end of that book, and we come today to the first of two final speeches that Joshua makes to to the people of Israel as he's getting old and he's, he's about to die. And in this passage, Joshua expresses some concern he has, very serious concern about the pagan nations that still remained in the land of Canaan. And it might have seemed weird to the people that Joshua was concerned about this because at at this point in the narrative, um, these pagan nations have basically all been conquered. There's just a handful of of, of idolatrous cities left. They've they've been driven from the land. So, um, like it says in verse 1, the Lord had given Israel rest from all their enemies. So the people might think, why is he so concerned about these? There's only just a few nations, pagan left. Well, Joshua is not concerned about the armies of these nations. He's concerned about the influence of them. And we might ask why. I think we know the answer. It's easy for any of us, without perhaps realizing it's happening, it's easy for any of us to be just influenced by cultural dynamics in the world around us in ways that would be really destructive for us. What's, what's intriguing these days is to notice that both religious voices and secular voices in our society are expressing concern about certain dynamics in our culture that are just they are, they're taking us on a path of destruction. So extreme individualism is destroying community. Um, rampant materialism is destroying the planet. And from a biblical perspective, the problem is not just that these influences are destructive for us. It's that they they deny the goodness of God. They defy the authority of God. And it was the same back then. Joshua is concerned about the influence of, of these other So he he says to the people, verse 7, he says, Do not associate with these nations that remain among you. Do not invoke the name of their gods or swear by them. You must not serve them or bow down to them. If you do, he says in verse 13, These these pagan cultures will become snares and traps for you, whips on your backs, thorns in your eyes. You will perish from this good land which the Lord your God has given you. They... uh, they say that if you're in a boat on the Niagara River as you approach the Niagara Falls, about three miles before the falls, there's a sign posted that says, Danger Zone. And you understand that if, you don't, if your boat doesn't have a very powerful motor on it, or if you're concerned that the motor might you know, not be reliable, you see that sign, you just turn around because that's when the current starts to get very, very strong. If you proceed closer to the falls, there's another sign that says, point of no return. Which means it doesn't matter what kind of boat you're in. You cross that line, you will be swept over the falls and gone. And it's sort of as, as if Joshua here, he's just posting some warning signs for the people. Warning, warning. Don't assume because there's no military threat from these cultures that you're not in danger. You could be swept away. Now, how, how do we as... Uh, how do we, as followers of, of Christ, people of faith, how do we guard ourselves from the influences in our culture that might just sweep us away? Well, Joshua would say, here's, here's where it's time to be serious. And, and he would, I, I would think he's suggesting here two things to take seriously in your life. The first is this: we need to take God's word very seriously. Um, a, an antidote to being shaped by the world is to allow yourself to be shaped by the word reshaped by timeless truths in in the word of god and and this is what joshua says to the people verse six he says be very strong be careful to obey all that is written in the book the book of the law of moses without turning aside to the right or to the left now if you were here in january When we started this series you might say that sounds very familiar and it is because the what Joshua is telling to the people here is almost the same thing that God said to Joshua in Joshua chapter one decades before this moment in in Joshua one verse eight God said to Joshua keep this book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you will be prosperous and successful. That's that's what that's what God had said to Joshua decades before this. And now he's a very old man, and all these years he's been living his life that way. Just living living in the book of God's word, meditating on it, studying it, praying over it. Thinking about how to practice it in his life i don 't know if you 've ever any of you have ever known um, an elderly Christian man or woman whose Bible is just falling apart because they 've read it so much you know like there 's the the duct tape on the on the uh, on the binder, and then the pages are folded and falling there 's all kinds of notes written in the margins, some of the pages perhaps stained with tears where they 've wept over promises and prayed over promises. If you ever meet, listen, if you ever meet somebody like that, whose Bible is falling apart, you can be sure their life is not falling apart. their Their faith will be rock solid. And that's the kind of person Joshua was. He's this old, old man who's just through the years, good times, bad times, he's been living in God's word. And so now he stands before the people and he says, Take it from me. Take it from me. He's just like, you can trust this book. In fact, he says at the end of verse 14, not one of all the good promises the Lord your God gave you has failed. Every promise has been fulfilled. So he's, he's saying, just to keep from being shaped by the world, let yourself be shaped by the word. Now, says somebody, that sounds like that would require some effort yeah um let, let's imagine you go to the doctor for a checkup and she comes back and says we we've diagnosed that you uh, you have a very very serious condition that will probably kill you within a year but there is an inexpensive medicine i can prescribe and if you just take one pill a day for the rest of your life you should be fine well, would you take the medicine or would you say, every day, the rest of my life? What a bother. I, it's so nu- such a nuisance. I can't be bothered with that. No, you wouldn't. So what, listen, imagine what if God were to say to you, once a week for the rest of your life, I want you to gather with a community of faith and hear my word read publicly and then expounded by a preacher. And, and, and once a day for the rest of your life, I want you to take my book and open it just for, can you give me 15 minutes? and read a passage and meditate and pray over it and and what if god were to add to that the well-being of your undying soul depends on whether you do this would you take the prescription you see it, it, sometimes we hear pastors say read the word be in the word study the word. Just allow one more nagging message about read the bible do you understand this is god um Someone in the Niagara River being carried away by the current. This is God throwing a lifeline. See, a reason why Scripture is so important for us is because, if you're my age, you know this. The loudest messages that we're hearing in our culture right now will be different 10 years from now. They change all the time. And, and with the increase of information, the change is happening. It's like every new news cycle. It's something new. Some, the, the new theme of the day, it's constantly changing. God's word doesn't change. Jesus said, heaven and earth will pass away. My word remains forever. So when Joshua tells the people to stay in the word, he's not nagging them. Oh, one more thing to do. He's offering them life. He's offering them something that won't change. So how do we keep from being swept away from the the cultural currents around us? First, we just Joshua would say, take God's word seriously. And then I think he'd say, take God's love seriously. God's love. Now you said, where do we see love in this passage? Well, third. Thirteen times in this chapter, Joshua uses a Hebrew phrase that is translated, the Lord your God. Uh, It's twice in verse 3, twice in verse 5, verse 8, verse 10, verse 11, verse 13 two times, verse 14, verse 15, verse 16. He just keeps repeating this. It's like a drumbeat. The Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God, the Lord your God. And in Hebrew, this phrase, the Lord your God, Yahweh Eloheikam, this was covenant language when when they heard these words it it just reminded this is the god who made it he uses this language god does when he forms the covenant with his people what does covenant mean covenant means relationship so when they heard this phrase the lord your god this was a title for god that reminded them that for them god was not just some abstract idea God was not just some impersonal force. No, for them, God was a personal God. God was someone who really loved them and wanted them to be in a relationship with Him as His people. Now, what's interesting also to notice is two times in this passage, verse 7 and verse 10, Joshua warns the people not to serve the false gods of the nations around them, don't serve the idols. He says, now you might expect him to say, don't serve the false gods, do serve the true God. Don't serve the idols, do serve the Lord. But he doesn't tell them to serve the Lord, not in this chapter. He tells them to love the Lord. Verse 11, be very careful to love the Lord, your God. Now, to be clear, there are many places in the Bible where we are told to serve God. But if you read the scripture as a whole, the general thrust of scripture is that God is much, much more concerned about our loving him than he ever is about our serving him. what What did Jesus say? The most important commandment in the Bible? He said it's this, love the Lord your God, there's that phrase, love the Lord your God with all your heart and soul and, and, and mind and strength. So what, what listen, isn't it something what concerns God most about you? It's not whether you serve him. It's whether you love him. Now, why is that? Have you ever, ever asked yourself that? Listen, when I go to a restaurant, are you this way? When I go to a restaurant, I am never sitting there at the table worrying about whether the waiter loves me. I couldn't care less. I couldn't care less if he loves me. I just want good service. I want the food brought to my table while it's still warm. I want my water glass to be refilled without having to ask. I want, I want service. I don't care if the waitstaff loves me. I do care if my wife loves me. I care if my parents love me. I care if my kids love me. I bet you're the same way. Now, why, why is it? Why? Why is it that there are some people in this world from whom all we want is service, but there are other people in this world from whom the only thing we care about is their love? I think I know the answer. The people whose love we desire the most are the people whom we love the most. Let me repeat that. The people whose love we desire the most are the people whose love... are the people whom we love the most. So, believer in Christ, what does it say about you to hear God say to you, what's most important to me is that you love me? I'll tell you what it says. It says God really loves you. He doesn't view you as a servant. He views you as a, daughter as a son as his as as his child right um and so one way to guard yourself from being destructively deformed by these these influence of the world around us is just one one is be serious about the word really get the word into your life but just be serious about god's love have you ever have you ever just really thought about how much god loves you I, i read about a a Roman Catholic priest in Detroit who, on vacation, he went to visit uh, relatives of his in Ireland. And while he was there, he met his 80-year-old uncle, Uncle Seamus. And he was talking with Uncle Seamus, and he said, Uncle Seamus, you seem to be very, very happy. And Uncle Seamus said, I I am. And uh, he said, the priest said, why are you so happy? And, and Uncle Seamus said, well, the Father of Jesus is very fond of me, very fond of me. Listen, Christian, the Father of Jesus is very fond of you. The Apostle Paul, when he prayed for the the, the Christians in in ancient Ephesus, this was his prayer. Ephesians chapter 3, he says, I pray that you may have power to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ, and to know this love that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. He just said, this is my one prayer for you. This This is it. I'm just praying that you will you will grow to understand how much God loves you. Now, you might be asking, "Why? how is that going to protect me from the, the currents of the world that will take me to my destruction? Well, okay, if I know my wife is cooking something delicious at home, I am never tempted to stop at McDonald's on my way home, right? Right, Why? why would you... It just, and I do go to McDonald's sometimes, but why, in other words, why, when you know there's something better waiting for you, you're never attracted to something lesser. And I think Joshua is saying to the people of Israel, he's saying the idols of these nations around you, they they will attract you. But if you're focused on the love of Yahweh for you, those idols will just lose their sparkle. They will they will lose their savor. You won't even want them. And I, I would suggest, believer in Christ, that 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 could happen for us if if we would allow God's Word and God's Spirit to teach us how deeply He loves us. I, I just imagine that all of the things the world is offering us would just kind of lose their charm. Why why would we want that when we have Him? Well, for the ancient israelites if they ever if they ever doubted that god loved them like if they said to joshua you know how do we know god loves us I, i think he would say well when you wake up in the morning just you know go look out the front door and you will see the land the land that god gave you this beautiful land that's how you know god loves you joshua would say god gave you the land what do we do if we doubt god loves us he didn't give us the land He gave us something far better he gave us his son if you and if you ever find yourself doubting does god really love me the way the bible describes i just i i I, i'm aware of my own weakness my own failures i don't think i'm very lovable or i look at troubles in my life and god loves me i'm going through this how do i know god loves me well you look you look at the cross, you look at the sun. you look at the, the son of God, Jesus, you look at the empty grave, you look at Christ, and you say, any God that would love me enough to give his son for me, he's the God I want. Amen. Now, you're probably saying, I can't just look at Jesus. I don't see him. Good point. But you could come to this table today, right, and, and just be reminded one more time in a very tangible way I am loved by the unchanging God. He gave his son for me. Let's pray together. We pray, Father, that you will give us faith to trust that your word really is life for us and that we would learn how to stay in your sacred book. And we also pray that you will show us how deep and wide your love for us in Christ so that. That love will fill our hearts and uh, cause us to sing with joy so that we desire only you in Jesus' name.